going on, everyone? Welcome to the Mac and Fish podcast. I'm Coach McKinley Rowe. Also here are our co-hosts, Charles Fishbein, better known as Fish. Fish, what's going on? What's up? Also here with our co-host, Corey Long. Corey, what's up? Not uh, much. Uh, y'all getting a hurricane before I do, so I'm all right. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, past weekend was an exciting week of weekend of college football. Um, it was exciting so- for way more than college football, just so you know. <laughs> college football was the last thing that made me happy this week. Like, no like I could, we could not even think about college. Like, keep going. Keep going. No doubt, no doubt. But we're going to hop into uh, talking about Florida-Georgia, big SEC battle. Um, Corey, what were your thoughts on that game? When the game started, one of my good friends, I'll, I'll plug him, my friend Maceo Hurd Jr. is a big who's, who does some great work out in Atlanta. We were talking, and he was, you know, he was saying quarterbacks, quarterbacks, quarterbacks. And I said, for Georgia, they want to have a chance to win. It was about they had to dominate both sides of the line of scrimmage because their quarterback play is atrocious. And the quarterback play was still atrocious, but Florida, I'm gonna give Florida credit. As you know, we can we can talk about their passing game and how explosive they were. Their offensive line won that football game. They kept Kyle Trask clean enough to where he was able to get the ball out. And once he was able to get the ball out, it wasn't a contest because Florida is way too explosive on offense for them. And Georgia couldn't answer. They couldn't afford to get into a shootout with them, even when Florida spotted them 14 points. They, they had to continue to they, – they, their whole plan had to be to chop up drives, get first downs, kill the clock, you know, play possession. And once Florida got them in that track meet, it was over. And I, I just I, – I can't – you know, I don't think Florida's a perfect team. I think defensively they still have a lot of holes. But they're getting to a part in their schedule where they don't have teams that can really exploit them. So they should be fine there. You know, they're past the more explosive teams on their schedule now. And I think this is this is the end of the road for Georgia. You know, this is it. I mean, this is they're gonna have to do some soul searching in that program because they got way too many good players to be eliminated in a in a in a COVID season six game. <laughs> they can't recruit a quarterback. No doubt. How about you, Fish? Yeah, you know, I thought the game changed. You know, that you know, Rosemary caught a touchdown, and he broke his leg. It was a bad break. And uh, it just didn't seem like Georgia responded after that. I, I give Florida a ton of credit. They kept putting pressure on Georgia. Um, you know, Trask played very well. The one thing that was very interesting is Florida changed up their offense this week. They uh, Instead of using their wide receivers, they used their, two, their top two receivers were their running backs in uh, Davis and also Naquan Wright, who I really like coming out of high school out of Carroll City. So these guys, they did a very good job of – getting the ball out of Trask's hands very quickly, not allowing that Georgia uh, front to put pressure on Trask. And they they just, they just dictated to Georgia what they wanted to do on offense. And Georgia just wasn't able to respond. Like I said, once they, you know, it was Georgia took an early lead and uh, Florida got back in the game. And once they got rolling, it just never seemed like Georgia was able to get a stop uh, once Florida got rolling. But we talked about this earlier. Florida's a very talented team this year. They've got a lot of weapons. Uh, their quarterback plays very good. They got running backs. We, you know, Pitts got laid out on a play. I've never, we, I haven't seen a hit like that in probably 15 years. I mean, there was that guy wasn't thinking about targeting at all. He was looking for a kill shot. And uh, Pitts, I don't, I don't know if he came back in the game or if he did, if he was even 
the same player. But, you know, Florida is a team that could play for a title this year. They have all the components. Uh, they're going to have a shot at playing in the SEC championship. And it, it, they're not a team I would want to play in the playoffs if I was other teams, just because I feel like they have all the parts. Yeah, they've struggled on defense. We talked about it. But it's not it's not because they don't have talent on that side of the ball. They have guys on that side of the ball that can make plays. So it's going to be very interesting to see how they finish up the year. But I think Florida is a very dangerous team at the back end of this season uh, that can make a nice run all the way through possibly the playoffs and, poss- and potentially a, a national championship. All right. To me, what was impressive was Florida's uh, weeks off from COVID and it came back and it looked like they didn't miss a beat. I thought that was pretty impressive. I don't know about you guys. Also regarding UGA, uh, we spoke about quarterback play, right? Uh, with You're not going to beat anybody uh, of any kind of salt if you're going five for 16 for 78 yards and one interception. Uh, that's not going to get it done. Uh, Georgia will never win and compete for a title if uh, they cannot get competent quarterback play. But the reason that Florida dominated this game was very simple. It came down to uh, turnovers. You know, uh, they UGA had three. Florida just had one. Florida dominated total yards with 571 yards compared to 277. Uh, that's the ball game. And then the time of, they dominated time of possession. Anytime you could win a turnover battle, time of possession, all of those things factor into the game. And for me, what, what I thought, it, I was surprised that Florida was able to, to do what they did offensively to a UGA defense that I thought um, – was playing arguably one of the best defense defenses in the in the country at the time, but um, you know hats off to Kyle Trask and like you guys said about the offensive line, um, I mean that's impressive. He threw for over 470 yards. Um, I, again, Florida's offense. If, if Trask can do that, they can beat anybody and play with anyone. So um, that was a very impressive win for U, uh, UF, in my opinion. I'm going to make one little last statement. You brought up the time off, and I discussed this before. I, I think the time off was something they needed because they were very good on offense. Their defense was out of sync, and I think they did take that time off to really work on fundamentals, tackling, because the first few weeks they were just god-awful tackling. But their defense, they were putting hats around the ball. They were very physical. It looked like the Gator football defense we've seen the last few years and not the one we saw earlier in the year. But I, I think – that was a time that COVID actually helped a team in that they were able to take that time off, regroup. We talk, I said they need to look in the mirror because they are talented on that side of the ball. It's not for a lack of talent. Um, they were just making bad, bad plays. And, and it seems like if they're able to clean up that side of the football, they're going to be a very dangerous team to beat. No doubt. But I, I, mean, but I, but, but I also think – I just want to hop in here, Corey, uh, respond to Fish real quick. Um I agree with you, Fish. You, you bring up an excellent point is regarding uh, the, the defense, but that can work against you as well offensively, right? When you're talking about timing and getting in sync, and then you don't know what players are out, you know, that they could possibly – that may throw something off, but they, they didn't look like they missed a beat at all. Like, it, it just looked like they used that time and came back better. Uh, which is a credit to Dan Mullen and the coaching staff. I think, I think Corey could say something about this is too. He knows 
I think Mullen's offense is kind of one of those things that it's not an offense that's so timing because they they utilize the run so much and their and their offense is more short, quick passes. They don't have a lot of reads that they got to make in that offense. So I think that side of the ball is less likely to get out of sync uh, than it than it usually does with these offenses that run so many complicated plays and this and that. So I think they took they were able to fix the problems on offense. Uh, but like I said, once again, defensively, they're going to be very good on that side of the ball. I, I like what I see, but it's uh, Corey. What do you think? Uh, I think. I mean, I think everything opens up for them. I mean, you look the schedule. Like I said, there's nobody else in their schedule that can beat them uh, in terms of the regular season. I mean, they got Arkansas next week, and I would buy to say that's the toughest game left in their schedule. I mean, you know, Kentucky at home. Kentucky. They got Art. You know, Kentucky. LSU, I don't think LSU is going to beat them this year. Vanderbilt isn't going to beat anybody. And Tennessee just lost to Arkansas. So I, I just – I don't really see any areas where they're going to be stopped. So they've got five weeks to prepare for Alabama. They can get their defense right. They can keep their offense in sync. I think they're going to be just really tough down the stretch. Um, uh, do you think they worked on the wheel route any this week in practice? <laughs> I mean, they must have hit that. That must that was probably 300 of Kyle Trask's yards. We're in those wheel routes to Malik Davis and and I caught and a night caught all game. I mean, it was just they were just killing. Oh. I guess they saw something in Georgia Tech, Georgia's linebackers that they just couldn't cover those backs. Well, what's the one complaint we always have? And you see it whether it's at the high school level. It's like once you see something that works, keep doing it till they can try to fix it. If they can't fix it, then keep running that play. And that's one thing I think Mullen understands as an offensive call, play caller is he knows when he he has a, a weakness on that team, on that other side, he's going to exploit it. And I think that's what makes him such a good coach. He doesn't complicate things. That's coaching, though. That's coaching. What Corey was Corey's talking to, That that's coaching. That's something that they were able to see uh, as a weakness for UGA. And Dan Mullen was able to exploit um, and that does not require a lot of timing, but fish, uh, any offense you run and, and Dan Mullins is like you said, it, it is more of a simplified offense, um, where it doesn't require a lot of, uh, progressions. Um, I think they're the more RPO based, but that's still, it, it still is all timing and they, trust me, they, they had to be practicing somewhere because there's no way they, they were able to do that and just come back like that. Um, mm-hmm. you know, in that, in that sense. Um, let's hop into, uh, probably arguably, I don't know what you guys think. Um, the top game of the weekend. I think uh, it's the top game of the year. I think it's yeah, the best game I've Absolutely. Seen. Absolutely. Uh, I agree with you, Corey. Clemson, uh, versus Notre Dame. Um, you know, obviously Trevor Lawrence was out. Uh, that was probably the most notable story. Um, because of that, um, was still very impressive. Um, you had a battle of two unbeaten teams at the time before they play. Um, just let's let's hop into it. Fish, uh, your thoughts? First off, I think it's time to give Brian Kelly some credit as one of the best coaches in college football. I, yeah, everybody puts this whole "oh, you got to win a title" or "you're not a great coach," and I, I think that's just not right because really, there's only a handful of programs these days that do have a legitimate shot. But here's a guy that's already been in the playoffs. Yeah, he's been overmatched. It wasn't coaching that got him beat. He just went against powerhouses. But he now has the team to go with his coaching. I think you saw it earlier in the year. 
this is a very, very good Notre Dame team. And it's a team that can, if they had to travel and there was actually fans, they have the big old line so they can lean on their run game. Their front four on defense is phenomenal. Uh, they're very good. This this Notre Dame doesn't th- this team doesn't lack speed or athleticism. They've got speed and athleticism at the running back position. I think this is the best Notre Dame team they've had probably in ten to fifteen years, and they have a very good shot at winning a national title this year. I really believe that. I think they could play with Alabama. I think they could play with Clemson. I know Trevor wasn't there, but the guy that went in there did put up four hundred and thirty nine yards. It's not like this kid's, uh, you know, they, they went in and put in uh, some backup that couldn't play. But this Notre Dame team's very balanced. They take the ball out of your offensive players' hands. You know, like they're able to keep your offense on the sideline and keep your and wear your defense out. And I think that this is the type of team that Brian Kelly could finally be raising a trophy at, in, in South Bend. And I'm – I'm very excited. I love the way they play football. They're very well coached. They don't make, they don't beat themselves. And uh, I think Notre Dame has a team. The only thing they really lack, but they, it showed up on Saturday, their receiver position finally started making plays. If they're able to get anything out of the wide receiver position, this Notre Dame team will be in the final four. And remember, um, we talked about that, right? That was one of the things I commented on was I believe that was the only that was Notre Dame's pretty much only weakness glaring weakness to me. They had everything else covered. They had the offensive line, they had a defensive line, they had the linebackers, they had the athleticism to be able to cover. They had the running backs, they had the tight ends, they have a quarterback that's experienced. Um Fish, I agree with you. I, I would go and mention this may be Brian Kelly's best Notre Dame team he's ever had. Um period. Uh I just they I haven't seen a Notre Dame team that can match up with, you know, usually when they're going against other teams that have similar stature to them um, or athleticism, they, they falter, right? They, they, this team can, can go toe to toe with anyone. They, they'll be in any, any game they play with. Um, well, let's, let's, let's say what we want to say. They haven't been able to compete against Southeastern teams. Now no, they can compete against teams from the Southeast. Absolutely. Yeah. And, 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 and if you want to compete for a title, you, you have gotta to be able to – to the Southeast. Absolutely. Yeah. You have that, to be able to match they, up. They haven't been able no. to do that. Now they've got that same. I'm going to go – I'm going with Clemson because I think this game pretty much assured me that if Clemson – they've got some issues on defense they've definitely got to shore up. But this was a kid that was making his second start. Yeah. They went out there, they, 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 they came out, they got into a slow start. They were down by 13. They are one bad secondary bust from winning this game in regulation. And that just shows the, 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 the ability and the guile of their team to be able to come back on the road, second week down, down by 13, prime time, backup quarterback in his second start. Travis Etienne's getting stuffed. They only ran for about 40 yards. They got nothing on the ground. They still figured out a way that they should have won the game. They got a bad secondary bus late. They got it to overtime. Corey, I, I, I want to challenge and push back on, on okay. some things you said. Uh, I believe that this is the second week in a row that we've seen uh, the limitations on Clemson's defense. You know, they've had some key injuries from experienced players, especially some linebackers that have factored in. Um, this is this is not a typical Brent Venables coach type of defense, right? And we could say this may have been the the year of COVID, 
where defensive play is a little questionable. But I agree with you. If Trevor Lawrence is in, this is more, more than likely a Clemson victory. But I think moving ahead, this is something that Clemson needs to, be, to watch and have to get figured out. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I, I would agree. And, and to that, I say this. I say, let's see. Let me, uh, let me take a quick look here, and I'll, I'll tell you where they're going to figure it out at. Um, I can sit there and say that Florida State on the 21st, Pittsburgh on the 28th, Virginia Tech on November 5th. Y'all better buckle up real tight because <laughs> y'all about to get absolutely rolled, all right? <laughs> Clemson's going to beat each one of those teams. They're going to hang 70 on each one of those teams. <laughs> You talk about a team that's going to come back from there. They got a bye week two coming up. You talk Florida State should not even show up. If I was Mike Norvell, they better they better catch COVID this week. All right, they can get out of that game because the the amount of carnage that's going to be in that game, like they're going to have to call in the EMTs after that. Get to call in the the, the you know call in the National Guard because someone's going to have to save them Seminoles after that game. Yeah. I'm gonna, I, right now it's about brutal for the last three teams on Clemson's schedule yeah like Clemson's I definitely think that they're the team that's not going to hold I remember one year Florida State lost a game and I think they had to play Clemson after and poor Clemson yeah they took the beat I don't I I don't know if it was Danny Cannell's year but they like rolled them I mean it was like right after they lost to Miami and I think they lost like they must have put 40 or 50 up on them but it's it's true you don't want to be the team after because Clemson has to win and look impressive now. Now that they have a loss, they have to look impressive each week. Because if Notre Dame, um, you know, if they both go in all the way to the end, yeah, they have another shot at Notre Dame. But some if if they don't beat Notre Dame soundly in that second game, you know, who, you know, do they get in? You know, yeah, I think they get in. They I still think win, they get in. All right, but but yeah, how, how, how about if they play? How about if they play Miami again in the ACC championship and Miami wins? Do well, you not, I, you know, Miami, I, mean, I think this was, I, I unfortunately for Miami, I think this was the worst result that could have happened for them. I don't think they get another shot. No, they're not going to get another. Yeah, it's going to be tough. Up, I think Miami can easily end up 10 and one and they're going to be on the outside looking in because their loss is going to be a, you know, a blowout loss to Clemson and they're not going to be able to really avenge that loss. This was the worst possible scenario for Miami in my opinion yeah because even if Notre Dame loses one the rest of the way that you know it puts Clemson and Notre Dame still back in the game I think most likely would happen yeah and I mean uh, looking at Notre Dame's schedule on in you know they got a home they got a road game at Carolina that I think they got a road game against Boston College next next week they've yeah. got a couple of They've got a couple of potential landmines in there. I think, the, navigate I think the Boston College game is always a landmine. You remember the year that FSU needed uh, Boston it College to beat? came out and yeah. lit them up. So yeah. If there's one team that comes to play against Notre Dame because of the history and the tradition, it's Boston College. And, and, the, and Notre Dame's coming off an emotional win, so you know they'll be a little bit let down this week. So that's going to be a tough game. I would not have let them students rush the field with my players out there. Yeah. It'd have been like Kent State because they would not have been able to rush the field with my players so loud. Like we can't get getting sick. <laughs> what are y'all crazy? Yeah, there was there was no social distancing on that field last night. <laughs> no. yeah. COVID like that. But um, let, let let's hop into uh, another FS. Uh, excuse me, another ACC battle. Um, 
Pittsburgh versus FSU. Um, yeah, we got to go Whoa. into it. Got to go into it. Uh, where Pittsburgh dominated the Seminoles 41 to 17. Um, it was just a game that, you know, when you look at it, right, uh, obviously FSU's offense really couldn't get anything going in the second half. Um, you know, and obviously with Travis going out affected it in the entire game plan. Right. Um, but hats off to Pittsburgh, you know, I mean, they, they came and, and, and it was just a whole, it looked like a whole new team that showed up, uh, which was impressive. This was a, was a great win for that program. Um, you know, defensively, they have a stout defense. We've seen that for weeks. They've shown that, um, and obviously, you know, with the defensive type of uh, coaches that they have in that program, you can see why they're such a good program uh, defensively. But um, this was this was a tough loss for FSU. I don't care how you slice it um, to get beat like that at home um, by a team that hasn't been putting up this, this type of points. Um, we're just, you know, kind of taking the air out of the program a little bit. Um, and it's going to be tough sledding. You know, you talk about uh, NC State coming up. You talk about Clemson coming up. Um, Virginia is going to be isn't going to be an easy out or Duke. Um, I, I don't I don't know about the, you know FSU where they finish or wherever that you know where it's going with this program, but um, they have a lot to figure out. Um, and you look at it, does this get better? Um, and I'm talking about not really this year. I'm talking about moving forward, right? Um, and that's something that we have to look at uh, because you're again you're you're losing talent or you're replacing that same talent with the same caliber. But I'll let you guys speak to that and we can have this further dialogue. Fish. I put myself on mute for a second because I really thought it might be better if I don't speak. But all kidding aside, listen, I'm there's really not much to say at this point. I think you know, Florida State is what it is this year. They're not a very good football team. We could we could come up with every excuse in the book. Right now, I think the only option they have is to basically open up the playbook. I mean, you know, the depth chart and play everybody on the roster and see what you have moving forward. Because I don't believe they're going to win many more games. And at this point, I don't. What are they really playing for? You want to see competition? I'd open up the depth chart. I'd I'd go in there this week and basically change guys out put i don't care if you were third string let, let let's see what somebody else could do because right now they're not playing good football they haven't played good football i don't really know what they can do to change that uh, they're just they're the trajectory is going down you thought after the north carolina game they had a ton of momentum and it's just they haven't shown it the last two weeks and and we've already seen like listen jordan travis we talked about it jordan is their best quarterback. There's no doubt about it. But the problem is, how are you going to keep him healthy? We talked about it. His strength is running it, but he's not physical enough. Uh, again, he had 14 rushes for 83 yards, and that was in the first half. He didn't make it to the second half. What was he going to run for, 30 carries? This is your leading rusher? I mean, what does that tell you about the rest of their backfield, that your quarterback had 14 carries? He couldn't make it to the second half. So I, I – Personally, like I said, I think that uh, Norvell and the coaching staff should just go in there and see what they got because they're going to have to make changes in the offseason to that roster. I mean, they may have 30 new guys on that roster next year. So you're going to have to find out what you have and what you have to go get. 
Uh, we know what the flaws are, but they're going to have to figure it out. Uh, as far as Pittsburgh, uh, you know, I thought they, I thought they played a very, very good game. Probably one of their better games this year. We talked about it. they have one of the best. They have a championship caliber D line. They're that good up front. Their front four can flat out get after the quarterback. It's a pity that this is a team that their quarterback did get hurt and they don't have a little more firepower on offense because they could be competitive for the ACC. Now, I'm not saying win the ACC, but at least in the Coastal have a shot at least at making it interesting. You know, they could compete with they could you know they could compete with the Miamis and the Notre Dames with that defensive line, but offensively they just you know they need so much help from their defense that their offense has moments where they're just it's it's hard to watch. But Pickett, you saw with him back, they're a lot better on offense. Um, they ran for 148 yards. They didn't put up a great average. Uh, their offense passing yards, they did get 210 yards passing out of an offense that's not going to light you up. But overall, this was a good win for that program. It probably gets them into a bowl game, which at that program right now, that's what you want to do every year is consistently win bowl games and then get better. I want to give a shout out to Rashad Weaver because here's a guy I, I, I really like coming out of high school and I couldn't get colleges to look at him. And here's a kid that was 6'5", 220 pounds. He played at Cooper City High School where if he had played at, you know, some of the bigger programs in Broward County, everybody in the country, here's another Greg Romeus. Greg Romeus played at Coral Glades High School. This kid played at uh, Cooper City. He's going to end up in the NFL. Who on Florida State's D-line is playing at that level? This kid's playing at a higher level than guys that are supposed to be All-Americans. Florida State could use this kid. Hopefully, for their sake, maybe uh, this kid sits out, you know, decides not to go to the NFL. Maybe they could get him through the transfer portal because they need him. But, uh, I mean, Charlie would be a little upset that I said that, but I'm, I'm joking around, Charlie Partridge. So, if you're listening to this, and anyway, you need to come down and if uh, coach down here at Florida State anyway. So, they, they, they may have an opening. But, um, you know, it's all good. I don't, I don't know. I mean, the game was miserable. It wasn't even a good game. It was horrible to watch. Uh, Pittsburgh played their, you know, pay, played their boring Pittsburgh game, and Florida State was just atrocious. You know, here was the thing. It wasn't from lack of effort. I thought, actually, Florida State, I thought they went out there. I thought they played hard. Um, I thought, you know, the, the, the talent gets, you know, it's just all we hear is bad talent, bad talent. These guys aren't being put in a, situ, in, in a, in a spot to succeed right now. Mm-hmm. It's not that Jordan Travis is their best quarterback. He's literally the only quarterback they have that can make a play against a power five football team. James Blackman can't do it. Uh, I don't think Tate Rodermaker can even play an FBS football to be, I don't know if he'll ever play a meaningful snap there after he wow. got overwhelmed by, you know, Jacksonville state. And I, I, you know, I see, you know, the Chubba Purdy kid. I thought, you know, he had 21 pass attempts. He had 38 yards passing. Mm. Like if you, you at least throw the ball down the field, tell me you trust the kid enough to throw a forward pass. How are you going to have, how are you going to go 12 for 21 for 38 yards? That's what I see out of high schools that just run screens all day. All right. 12 or 21 is not horrible, but the 38, 38 yards? <laughs> for 38, that's an average. That is an average of 1.8 yards per passing attempt. <laughs> Drew Brees can throw the ball further than that right now. Hey. Joe Namath can probably throw the ball further than that right now, and he's 75 years old. 
I think there's some dead quarterbacks that could throw more than that. Exactly. Johnny Unitas could probably, and laying down his grave, throw the ball further than that right now. Yeah. Bring back the boots. Bring back the boots. Be throwing the ball, be over 21 and throwing the ball down the field, you know, and just see, like you're talking about, we got to see what they've got. They're playing a ton of guys every week. You just went like Stephen A. Smith on these points. We're seeing what they've got right now. Oh man, no, but I, I, I don't, I don't agree with that. You know, a lot of I, what Fish is talking about regarding like playing everyone. You know that that's what a lot of fans want to say. Um, I, but, I what just, do you do, but what do you do at this point? They're they are two and five, and, and they got. And they how got. They, how do they help their two young quarterbacks by playing them? How do they help Tate Rodemaker by letting him see that he could not even compete against an FCS team? They don't. I mean, they, help I mean, they don't. They don't. Hurry. I mean, I, I said it earlier this year, and 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 I, I I don't know what's up with Jordan Travis, but if you're gonna, I mean Travis J, if you're gonna run Jordan Travis, and that's the type of offense you're gonna run, what do you want the second guy? You know, you know he's gonna get beat up. You could almost run a two quarterback system. Put Travis J back there. You know what I'm saying? He played quarterback in high school. You know he's a big time athlete. You know he can make plays with the ball in his hands. So I, we already know the two freshmen aren't ready. We, I, we already know Chubb is not ready. Chubb is not ready to play. I'm not saying he won't be because listen, we've seen guys. I, I remember watching Drew, uh, not Drew, uh, uh, Ponder play out of high school in his first year, and you never could have convinced me that Ponder was ever going to be a functional quarterback. So I don't want to. I want to pump the brakes. I think sometimes as uh, outsiders, we want to slam kids. Listen, it's not Purdy's fault. He shouldn't be in the position to play as a freshman. I'm not saying it's his fault. I don't think either one of these kids should have seen the field this year. I don't care how bad James Blackman is. If you're two and nine. Throw him out there, you know, let him go out there and take all the lumps. Yeah. I don't believe in this idea that a young quarterback should take lumps. I don't think getting your butt kicked does anything for your development. They're going to lose their confidence. I mean, you could yeah. see Purdy yesterday was not like – he didn't look like a kid that wanted to be out there. He lost Rodemaker. Like, I don't yeah. think Rodemaker thinks he can play at this level anymore. Yeah. Like, I think that's a lost cause now. Yeah. And that was two games into the season. Yeah. So, like, I don't just get how – playing these young quarterbacks and let him get beat up against a line that's not really protecting against a receiving core that can't really do a whole lot with some running backs that aren't very explosive. Like it doesn't really, unless that's a team you're planning on building, which I hope it's not, then it's not helping them. My bigger question is what is it? What's, what, what's the plan? What is the, what do we see a plan here? Do we see anything that any sort of, plan that we can say two three years down the road that i can see where they're going i think at this point you can't you you're gonna you're gonna have to just blow this year up and hopefully next year we see you know some major improvement they're gonna have to really get better next year and you know we'll see what happens i'm i really don't know i'm not if i had the crystal ball i'd be making a lot of money but they definitely need to uh just get through this year and you know see what you got in the spring and Hopefully they turn this thing around. But, I, you know, one thing I'll, I'll speak to, you know, Corey, I, I, I agree with uh, Corey's assessment as far as the young quarterbacks. Fish, now that I'm thinking about it, um, with the year of COVID and, and how el- eligibility is working this year, they have no 
they had nothing to lose because these kids don't lose. Uh, what are these young men? They don't lose a year, so no, that, you might as well I'm, play them. That's what I'm saying. I'd play them. You know, yeah. I'm not worried about them losing a year. I'm worried about them losing their ability to think they can play at this level. Like they don't. They don't. Like it just because it doesn't count against a year doesn't mean he doesn't remember. It. I think Nate Rodemaker remembers that he couldn't play. No, 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 no. Not the quarter. I'm not talking about the quarterbacks. I'm talking about okay. the other position. The other, the other players, position. yeah. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Other. The other players, yeah. I don't, I don't care if a freshman deep linebacker makes mistakes, you know. But a quarterbacks, to me, that's a different position. Well, yeah, quarterback, it's guys in positions to succeed. I mean, yeah. the one thing with quarterbacks is confidence. And listen, there's a reason why when Jimbo was there at Florida State, if you notice, he always redshirted his quarterbacks. Francois got redshirted. Jameis yeah. got redshirted because he didn't want. He wanted those guys to sit back and learn because there was so much for them to learn. And, hey, you're going to get your chance to play, but that freshman year, you really need that year to sit back and understand what's going on. Because college football, I spoke to somebody today about it. They said, listen, I watched football in Arizona, and I've seen kids out there. And this kid's now going from Arizona where the kids aren't real fast, and he looks great, to all of a sudden he's playing in the fastest conference or one of the fastest conferences in the country and he's thrown out there against kids he hasn't seen things move that quickly it's going at a dip it's going at warp level he can't even think hey where do i go with the ball he just doesn't want to make a mistake and and when you have a kid that just goes out there and he doesn't want to make a mistake you've lost him that you don't want that and uh that's where they're at so and that's why i just don't think they should have ever even thought about putting him on the field and i'm like you i look at there's so much in the mental game they've yet to understand. And without even having a spring, I mean, they had a, a aborted spring. The Purdy kid didn't even have that. He didn't get into the program until July. There's too much to understand. I, I'd use a, I'll even use a better one. Sean McGuire, who did his first real time at FSU was against Clemson in a starting spot, replacing a, a disqualified Heisman Trophy winner. But you know what? He managed to win the game. He managed to make plays because he had time. He understood. He spent so much time observing and knowledge and spending time with a scout team. He could at least get a feel for what he was going against. But he just was an, ex- he was an, he, it's he was like an experienced it's kid. He was an experienced kid, though. You yeah. know what I mean? Just like Fish was talking about. Yeah, I, he wasn't experienced on the field, but he was experienced mentally enough to understand yes. what he was facing. Yeah. These kids don't have a clue what they're facing. Uh, things are going – it's going way too fast. It's going way too fast. Yeah. You can see it. They You see it in their play. They're very hesitant because they don't know whether they should pull the trigger on a play or not. Yeah. And, that, and you don't want to – you don't want kids going out there at that position doing that. But um, I'm ready to move on, guys. You want to – I think there's Miami, another yeah. – uh, yeah, there's another game in the Sunshine State. Yeah. All right, well – what, 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 what we talking about? What Miami? Miami uh, yeah. Real quick on my. Uh, I'll say. I'll just say. You know what? That that that's a win that Miami has not been able to get the last few years. Road game. They were trailing all game. Um, Carolina was playing with the you know a lot of emotion. Bailey Hockman, who hadn't really been good up to this point, was playing out of his mind. But I, when you got a player, when you got an experienced quarterback in there, a leader. You're never out of a game. And De'Aaron King just showed, you know, he's made, guys, he's made guys better. Three or four weeks ago, we were talking about their wide receivers not making plays. Now we're talking about Mike Harley, you know, stepping up and having two back-to-back massive games. Like, 
they're just, you know, they're like I said, the, the result, the Notre Dame Clemson result might have really taken them out of even a, a dark horse chance at the playoffs, but we're, I'm still looking at a New Year's Six Bowl for this team. I mean, this is Miami is trending up heavily. Yeah. You know, I, I'm going to jump in real quick, McKinley. I hate to cut you off, but the one thing, and we talked about this, what do great players do? I don't care what sport it is. They make other guys pick up their game. Like, you could see that the other players weren't playing at the same level as King. And you talked about it, Harley. Eight catches for 153 yards, two touchdowns. Mark Pope, six catches, 97 yards. Will Mallory, six catches, 78 yards. Doug Wick, uh, D. Wiggins, seven catches, 77. He, Harley had two touchdowns. The rest of those guys each had one. They're, they don't want to let King down. They do not want to let him down. And they're picking – that's what great players do. They get guys that – play above their skill level. And each one of these guys has done that. Uh, you know, one thing that, you know, is a little bit of a concern for Miami, the run game has disappeared, but if they could keep getting production from their receivers and their passing game, I think the run game will start to open up again in the next couple of weeks. Watching this game, it shows you, here's an NC State team that has struggled, has been so inconsistent this year. But it shows you that you get a little positive momentum early in the game and plays went NC State's way. It gave them a chance to be in this game. They didn't get taken out of it, and they were in the game all the way to the end and had a shot to actually win the game. But you got to give those guys credit. I give Dave Doran credit. He had his team very well prepared. I think Miami's a lot better team. But like you said, Corey, Miami's finding ways to win. These are every week. You know, the fans, I know you want to win by 20 points every game. It's all, a W is a W. They're, they're six and one right now. Nobody's sitting there going, oh, well, you know what? They're three and three. They're six and one. They're getting better every week. Uh, defensively, I think there's holes, but we knew that before the season started. Like, this was not one of Manny Diaz's better defensive teams. They lost a lot. You know, they lost Gregory Rousseau, who's one of the best pass rushers in the country. Yeah, the guys they're bringing in are good, but they're usually one of those guys was going to be a backup to Rousseau. You know, now that guy's thrusted into a starting job. It's not the same. This Miami team's getting better. And the one thing is, if they could keep this type of offense going next year, you know you can look at their recruiting class. Where is that strength of that recruiting class? It's on the defensive side of the ball. They're bringing in dudes. So their defense is get yeah their defense is going to get a lot better next year and the year after. Their problem wasn't defense. You know under Manny he'll figure that out. Their problem was offense, and their offense can hang lots of yards. I mean they put up what six hundred yards in this game. That's a lot of yardage. And you know what they're going to get better players that want to be in that system. That's the thing is they're going to they're going to be able to improve on what they have now. Manny Diaz's biggest job in the offseason. Can he convince De'Eric King, like Jalen Phillips, some of those guys guys that transferred in to come back for one more year? Because you think about it, King in year two, now Jalen Knight and Don Chaney, those two stud running backs get a full year. All of a sudden, we're looking at arguably a top 10 offense in the nation. No they can get King to come back for one more. And then you're bringing in James Williams on the defensive side, yeah. Leonard Taylor. You They're said bringing... the defense is going to yeah. be fine. I yeah. Think. I mean, they're going to have a champion. Jalen Phillips around and put him with those two young kids. Maybe, you know, I don't think Quincy Roche is going to stay. I think he's yeah. a high pick. Yeah. But if they keep Phillips around, put him with them two young kids, their defense is set. 
This is a one. This is a one year they have to convince kids not to leave. Like that's the one thing Miami's had too many guys that weren't ready for the NFL. Manny's got to sit there and say, "Listen, we have a legitimate shot at a playoff next year, and you guys are going to be the difference." De'Eric, you can wait one more year, buddy. I need you for one more year. No, but but I think that uh, hopping in here for that to happen, those he's got to convince those guys that their stock is going to. It, it, will get to be higher if they do stay right which you could make an argument and it probably will but you also have to look at it from the player perspective do they stick around in a year of COVID? another questionable year of covid we don't know what the season is going to bring next year right um i think that's a risky task to, to, to ask a player and his family hey you guys stay another year because we're going to be a pretty good team i think that's a tough sell um I just think D'Eric's I, – I think D'Eric's not ready for the NFL at quarterback. Now, I, I think he needs one more year in a system like this and and show scouts one more year because I don't think he's a first or second rounder. Now, I agree. If, if you're talking fourth – this I think right now he's a day three pick, round four or five, you know? Now, now, now does, a, does another year serve him better? Does that move up his stock? I do, I do, because at, at Houston, at University of Houston, he really never got a chance to work on his passing skills. They use uh, utilize him a lot for his run. This year, Miami's put let him sit back there, and there's things you could see he could still get better at. Yeah. I, I think he could get rid of the ball sometimes a little quicker. You know, hey, it's there, let's hit it, um, and and just a little more success. For me, I and and this a very good. This can end up a very good year for quarterbacks. Realize. You have Trevor Lawrence. You have Justin Fields. You have the kid from North Dakota State. I think uh, the Wilson kid at BYU now all of a sudden is a uh, is a first or second rounder. I think Mac Jones at um, you know the quarterback at, uh, at at Alabama automatically this kid went from nowhere to possibly being a you know maybe not a first rounder, but you're looking at third fourth round. And, and, and the yeah. And Kyle Trask has put his name. And the one thing you learn about quarterbacks, if you don't go in round one or two, you notice those guys usually don't go round three. They they end up in round five, six, seven. So if you're not in one of those first two or two rounds, you slide. You just get every year at that position. Well, that's the argument that you can make the king, right? Because yeah. I, I think that we've said, and, and I've said it on some of our earlier weeks um, as far as a roundup, this was King's best game as a, as a quarterback for the Miami Hurricanes. And this arguably was his best game as a quarterback for the Miami Hurricanes. Yeah. He threw for over 430 yards. He ran he for 105 yards. yards. I mean, he had a hell of a game. That may have been one of the best games in Miami quarterback history. Yeah. I mean, five touchdowns thrown, you know, that's not, no, that's not normal. But, 70 yards per carry rushing? Come on. The one thing is – and this is what Manny's going to have to sell. Miami could be special next year. And that's yeah. something, you know, you look, you know, King and all these his teammates have to sit there and go, you know what, are we going to remember this 20, 30 years from now that we could have been part of something special? Or, hey, listen, I, I'm not – I'm never going to question a kid that wants to leave because fo- football, of all the sports, football is the one that the guys are the least selfish, that they make the most sacrifice and physically – is the most damaging of any sport. So you don't have a lot of wear and tear on your body. I don't care who you are. You don't, but if you, you want, if you are one of these guys at Miami right now, and, and I'm pitching it for Manny and his coaching staff, hopefully I help him out with this. But 
these guys have something to be very have something special next year. I mean, Clemson's going to lose Trevor Lawrence and Etienne. You know, Notre Dame's probably going to. I think Ian Book is gone. I don't. I'm not sure. They're losing their whole life. Book Book Book's been there for ten years. Oh yeah, I mean, but Miami's got a chance to just really fill that spot in. He's he's built it up. Like you could see this team, their trajectory is going up. Their talent that they're bringing in behind these guys is going up. They're not going to be worse next year. They're going to be better. Expect if they can hold on to King. King is the piece of this puzzle. If they lose King, then they can still be very good. I don't know national championship good because I you know the Van Dyke kid. We haven't seen him yet. But King is a is is the guy yeah. to decide Miami's fate next year, and yeah. and I'm hoping that King stays because I think it'd be exciting for college football to see this type of Miami team back. Yeah, yeah I think I think it's two big sale jobs or to King, and I think King's going to come back next year. I'll say it right now. I think he'll be back, and I think because of part of what you said, there's a, it's a deep quarterback class. King's not a big kid. He's five what five ten five eleven. Yeah. All the quarterbacks we mentioned are good athletes and they're much bigger physically yep. they're bigger bigger kids and we mentioned six so at best he's the seventh best quarter and that's not where you want to leave I don't think if you don't have to and I think Jalen Phillips is another big sell job I don't think he's I think he's just now getting healthy and getting his kind of his game speed back and I think another year I don't know if he's a first round pick but I think he's like a top 50 top 75 in the draft type pick if he stays another year and really shows that he's recovered from his injuries and he's got his game speed back. I think those two kids, one on each side, can make a huge difference. That, that, that could that could be, you know, that could that could prove to be a three ball games, you know, three win shift either way by keeping those two guys back. Yeah. There's no question. All right. Well, uh that rounds it up for us. Uh if you want to listen to us, uh you can follow us on Twitter at Mac and Fish Podcast. We're also on Spotify, we're on YouTube, SoundCloud, as well as uh, Apple Podcasts. If you could rate us five stars or better, um, leave a great review, greatly appreciate it. Uh, Thank you guys for listening.